0: I think y'all all all know how I feel about losing and about this. And um, I don't like it, you know. I don't like it. Um, So I'm glad it's over, you know. And I hope that I'm never in this position again. And uh, we're going to try to do everything necessary. You know, hopefully that none of us are in this position again because it's no fun, man. We've done the tweak thing, you know, a few times. And I think we got to be... We gotta be more aggressive than that. That's just my opinion. If we wanna actually do right by the best player in the history of this organization, we have to be aggressive. Brave City, this is Yusuf Nurkic, and you are listening to The Briefcase with Casey
1: Holdall. Greetings, Blister fans, and welcome to the briefcase. Episode 35 of the Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall. And that was Chauncey Billups discussing yet another disappointing season and the urgency that the team has to have in order to put a championship caliber team around Damian Lillard. We'll discuss the end of the 22-23 season, wrap up all the stats we've been tracking all season long, and hear from Damian Lillard on the first off-season edition of The Briefcase. Well, as you may or may not have noticed, the Trailblazers ended their 22-23 season with back-to-back losses in afternoon games to teams from California. Saturday afternoon, the Blazers lost 136-125 to the Clippers at whatever they're calling the Staples Center these days in the penultimate game of Portland's season. Kevin Knox, too, had 30 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 assists. Trenton Watford had 24 points, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds and a block in 26 minutes. And Shaden Sharp posted 26 points, 4 assists, 4 rebounds, and 2 steals in 37 minutes. Yet another great end-of-season game for Shaden Sharp. And then in the finale on Easter Sunday, the Blazers gave up an NBA record 54 points in the first quarter before going on to lose 157-101 to the Golden State Warriors Sunday afternoon. You always know if the Warriors are going to draw well, even on the road, and when you're playing the way the Blazers have lately, you don't exactly expect that it's going to be a raucous crowd, but it was a little disappointing to have the Warriors fans outnumber the Trailblazer fans, even during pregame introductions, which again, that's not on the fans at all. You gotta put a team out there that people want to come and cheer for. Though when you lose by 56 points, maybe it's better to not have as many fans in the arena. Skylar Mays, who seems like he has a good chance of making the NBA roster next season after comporting himself well in Portland's final six games, led the team with 21 points, 12 assists, 4 rebounds, and 3 steals in 41 minutes. Shaq Harrison, who played the last five games for Portland, signed with the Lakers right after the loss to the Clippers, so he did not play in the finale versus the Warriors. I didn't even know you could still sign players for the postseason at this point, but I guess maybe because he was already on a roster, he can be signed for the postseason. The Lakers ended up having to cut a guy in order to sign Shaq Harrison, a very nice player, by the way, a guy who I could actually see help the Lakers at some point in time in these postseason, and Tristan Thompson, who they just signed fresh off the ESPN NBA desk, which I think kind of speaks to what you're getting from ESPN these days. So with Shaq Harrison on another team, the Blazers were able to add a different player, center Chance Comanche, prior to Sunday's finale, who ended up playing as well. Uh, not sure exactly what that means for Chance, but I would imagine that, you know, he's a guy who, along with all the other guys who have played for Portland in these last six, seven games out of the G League, will at least have an opportunity to play for the team's summer league team, if not have an opportunity to compete for a roster spot at some point in time going into training camp next season. So with losses in back-to-back games, Blazers finished their 22-23 season in 13th place in the Western Conference with a 33-49 overall record, a 17-24 record at home, and a 16-25 record on the road this season. Portland finished out their campaign by losing four straight. Their last one came on April 2nd versus the Timberwolves, a team that just had two guys fight on the bench in their last game of the season, while also losing nine out of their last ten and going five of 19 since the All-Star break. League-wide, Portland finished with the fifth worst record in the NBA, which was six games better than the Hornets, one game worse than the Magic, and two games worse than the Pacers and the Wizards, and by finishing with the fifth worst record, the Blazers have a 10.5% chance of getting the first, second, third, or fourth pick, 10.5% chance for each one of those picks, so a 40% chance of getting a top pick, basically while also having a 2.2% chance of getting the fifth pick, a 19.6% chance of getting the sixth pick, a 26.7% chance of getting the seventh pick, an 8.7% chance of the eighth pick, and a 0.6% chance of the ninth pick in the 2023 draft. The official order will be decided at the draft lottery in Chicago on May 16th. You might remember last season, the Blazers actually underperformed their draft positioning by finishing with the seventh overall pick, which they used to get Shaden Sharp. I think that obviously turned out fairly well, but you would still rather outperform your lottery odds than underperform those odds, particularly in terms of what that pick could mean for the Trailblazers in building a roster going forward, which we'll hear a little bit about from Damian Lillard in a bit. And while we're talking assets, we also know, thanks to the Knicks finishing with the eighth best record, that Portland will also have the 23rd pick in the 2023 draft as well, which they acquired in the trade that sent Josh Hart to New York. So two first-round picks and a second-round pick, I believe, from Atlanta, couple trade exceptions, bird rights on all their free agents, and some young players on good contracts who have value around the league. So they have some options going into this offseason, season the question now is whether they can exercise those options and turn those into quality players that can put this team on a path to a championship. Another part of that path is doing better next season in offensive-defensive rating than he did this season in offensive-defensive rating, particularly on the defensive end. So let's go ahead and wrap up where the Blazers ended, all of the stats we've been tracking all season long on the briefcase. The Blazers finished the year 18th in offensive rating at 114.0 points scored per 100 possessions, due in large part to their post-All-Star break offensive rating of 108.7 points scored per 100 possessions. So quite a bit worse after the All-Star break, as you might have mentioned. Their post-All-Star break offensive rating ranked 28th. They were also 28th in defensive rating at 118 points allowed per 100 possessions and 29th since the break at 121.4 points allowed per 100 possessions. So just to say that again, the Blazers were giving up 121 points per 100 possessions after the All-Star break. That's not great. And they finished the season 26th in net rating at negative 4.0 after having a league-worst negative 12.7-point net rating after the All-Star break. That is more than three points worse than the Spurs, who were in 29th. So once again, the Blazers having the worst net rating after the All-Star break. If they were still playing the team that you knew was going to be the team next season, that would probably be quite a bother. But with the way the season ended, I think you kind of understand Why things went the direction they did. But while the Blazers didn't win very much on the court lately, they did well versus the spread in the last week and half of the regular season. Portland covered in four of their last five games. They were 90 point underdogs to the Timberwolves, a team they beat by two, 18 and a half point underdogs to the Grizzlies, a team they lost to by 10. 5-point underdogs to the Spurs, who they lost to by 2, thanks to John Butler hitting an otherwise meaningless 3-pointer at the buzzer. Shout out to you, John Butler, for doing that for the Blazer fans out there. And they were 17-point underdogs to the Clippers, a team they lost to by 11. However, they failed to cover the 17-point spread in their loss to the Warriors, which makes sense considering that they lost by 56 points. This is just a guess. I'm not a sharp by any stretch of the word, but I doubt there's ever been a 56-point underdog in NBA history. So, long story short, if you lose by 56, you ain't covering. So, by going on that late-season run, the Blazers finished the year 39-42-1 and versus the spread. Obviously, odds fluctuate based on how much action comes in on each side of each bet, but in general, you broke even if you just bet the Blazers versus the spread in every game this season. So, that's something. Well, moving on, since the team held exit interviews right after Sunday's loss, which you can do when you play an afternoon game, we're going to roll those interviews out over the next week here on The Briefcase. And since the comments from both Joe Cronin and Chauncey Billups made it very clear that putting a team around Damian Lillard is still the first, second, and third priority for this team in the offseason, let's go ahead and start off by hearing from the 6'3 point guard who just finished up his 11th season out of Weber State. Dame, after turning in the best season of his career, only to see his team end up in the lottery for the second straight season, seems to be getting a bit anxious about how much time he has left as a player who could lead a team to an NBA championship, which you could hear in his comments to the media after Sunday's loss. So here's what Dame had to say about the season, both from an individual perspective and a team perspective. What he thinks the team needs to do in the offseason to put themselves on a path to compete at the highest levels, his thoughts on Chauncey Billups, and whether he thinks Jeremy Grant will re-sign with the Trailblazers as a free agent. Go ahead, Dame. Let's hear it.
0: How would you describe this season? I'd say underwhelming, just frustrating. You know, there's a lot of things. Is Never being fully healthy, um, never being able to, to put a consistent stretch together. And, um, you know, it was just a, a season full of ups and downs and, you know, not really uh, any moments of consistency.
1: How do, how do you reconcile having the, the individual year that you had with career highs across the board with team success not following
0: I mean, at this point, you don't, you know, um, I think for me, I've, I always go into the offseason and I come into every season trying to do what I, whatever I can to, to make that turn into winning. And I think this year, you know, I did think I had my best year individually, but it didn't, it didn't lead to wins. So, um, I don't think it's really uh, any way for me to reconcile with that. You know, I'm going, I'm still going into the summer like, man, how, how did that happen? You know, and I always look in the mirror and I look at myself and I wonder, you know, what I could have did better, where could I have hurt the team, what could have gone differently, where it would have been more in our benefit as a team, and uh, you know, that's the the battle that I always face. You know, when it doesn't work out, and I did well in a game or in a season, so um, it's just tough. You know, it didn't it didn't lead to what what you would like for it to lead to.
1: Game before the injuries. Looking back on it,
0: what what were you guys lacking this year? I'm not sure. It would be easier to say if we had been able to put together more of a consistent time. But I think we we won our first four games and then I strained I strain my calf in our fifth game. And then during that stretch, I think Justice got hurt and we never had Gary. And then I came back and a couple other guys. I think Nurk was out when I came back. Jeremy missed the game when I came back. And then I was out again. And then from that point on, it just seemed like we just, we were never whole, you know, and it was just up and down at that point. And I remember a time early in the season where I was just saying, you know, we got to, we got to keep a winning spirit and we got to keep that, that feeling and that energy that we had to start the season. And, uh, you know, we kind of dug ourselves into a ditch where we started to lose games. And, um, I just don't think we was able to, to find that spirit again, you know, to, to feel good about ourselves and, Going to every game where it was like expecting to win. I think we were just out there, you know, trying to get get off the hook, you know, trying to find a way to win. And in the beginning, it wasn't it wasn't like that. The energy wasn't like that. So I just don't think we ever found it again. I mean, you see a plan in place here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, I see a I see a road to what we could do, but you know, it's a a difference in we can do this and we can do that and actually doing it. So, so
1: confident that something can be done to change this roster to the point
0: where you feel like you can lead it to? I mean, I'm always optimistic, you know what I mean? I've been in the league long enough to know that, you know, things don't always work out the way you want to see it work out. It's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, so uh, I have I feel like over the last few years, I I go into it with, you know, these high expectations of, all right, this is going to be different, you know. And obviously, I you know, I, I feel how I feel about Chauncey. I feel how I feel about Joe. And I feel how I feel about myself, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, I think the, the optimism is there. I feel optimistic about it, but I think it's just time to, to just get the work done, you know, for all of us. Well,
1: last year, you were you guys were obviously going after Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Are there guys on your list that you feel like you're going to obviously go after? I'm not expecting to name them, but are there guys out there like Jeremy where, where you're thinking, yeah, we can get that guy?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know there's guys that want to do it. And I'll just say that I know it's guys that really moved the needle that want to do it, but knowing that and then actually making something happen to to make that a, a reality is a completely separate thing. Is there any difference
1: between how you felt, say, two years ago when urgency was kind of the buzzword with you? You wanted to see, you know, dramatic steps towards winning. Has anything changed between now and then?
0: Uh, no. I mean, the only reason. I played to, for a chance to win, you know what I mean? And I, I, I really don't know what, what what else to say, you know what I mean?
1: What is different with how you feel today with, compared to when you were kind of up against it and asking the organization for that urgency?
0: I think then I was more emotional about it, and now I'm not as emotional about it. Now I'm just like, it either will be or it will it will not be. And, um, you know, I think that's the biggest difference.
1: You, the team has put itself in a position to have a, potentially a, a really high lottery pick in this draft. And you know, there's guys at the top of the draft who are seen as real, um, you know, uh, transcendent talents. But those guys are still like 19 years old. Do you have an appetite for building that way if it's, you know, a 19-year-old player through the draft? Or does it need to be?
0: I don't have much of an appetite for building and, you know, guys two and three years away from, really going after it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think we we get Shaden at 19 and he's just different. You know what I'm saying? I think he just being around him, his disposition, how he listens, his frame, his natural talent and his ability. I think that's enough 19 year olds. You know what I'm saying? And you probably won't find one that will come along the way he has. But I just ain't interested in that, you know, being honest. And this this is not a secret. You know what I mean? I want a chance to go for it. And if the route is to to do that, then you know that's not my route. So you know, I think we all in line with doing what we got to do to to put a team together that we can actually go out there and get something done. You know what I mean?
1: Dame, is there what what, what are you taking away from this season positively?
0: Um, I think that we we know who we are. You know, as we stand now, we know what we have. And for me, I take away from it knowing that I'm at the top of my game. You know, anytime you don't even you don't make the play in, you, you miss the playoffs, you miss the play in. think you got to look at where you stand and you got to see you know what are the positives what are the the strong spots of of what you have and I think we saw that you know we saw the the spots that are highlighted you know some guys came into their own and I think coming off of last season it was a question of whether I was healthy or not or anything like that and I think we know the answer to that too so I think now it's time to just push forward and really push forward and what else do you think we know about this team you said we know about I think we know that we got a lot of, we got some talented guys. We have a lot of guys with ability. And, you know, when you look around the league is the teams that are the best teams you look around, you see ability as well. You see toughness. You see understanding. You see IQ. You see togetherness. You see consistency. You see toughness. Um And you see that consistently from those teams. I think we've had it in spots. We haven't been consistent at, at those things. So I think you look at our team and where do we get that from? Where can we add it at? And you try to add to, to those pieces and put a complete team together. What's your
1: assessment of Chauncey
0: as a coach? Um, I think Chauncey's a, he's a thinker, you know what I mean? And I think our, as a coach, he, he puts that type of pressure on the team. You know, he, he demands a lot. I think he's a player's coach. He gives you freedom. I think he's sharp. I think he, he loves the game. I think, um, he wants to win as a coach. You know, I think he shows up as a coach. He prepares, he prepares a team. The things that I see in him as a coach, I think we can win with, you know, I think it's a learning curve and getting comfortable doing it just like anything else, Um, you know, it's his first two years as a coach, but I think as we have been the last two years, you know, as our roster has been, you know, the way he coaches, I don't think it was best suited for him.
1: You guys, you guys uh, obviously didn't go the way you guys planned, but is the bond with you and Jeremy strong enough that you expect him to be back? He's obviously free after
0: this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I
1: expect him to be back. So there you go. Damian Lillard, honest and forthright as always. Pretty interesting stuff there from Dame. Much of it similar to some of the things we discussed on a recent edition of The Briefcase, which many of you probably already listened. Thank you for that. But let's go ahead and recap some of the major takeaways. Dame, as many people, were frustrated by the way the season ended, which is no surprise considering how the season played out. He's optimistic about the chance of the team making significant improvements this offseason, but he knows that there's a difference between having a plan and going out and executing that plan. He says that there are players who, quote, really move the needle, who want to team up with him in Portland, but that players having interest and going out and actually acquiring those players are two very different things. Dame, kind of in his most probably definitive and sharpest statement, saying he's not really interested in the team drafting a player, who then they have to wait two to three years in order for that player to develop. He's a fan of Shaden Sharp, but, quote, that's enough 19-year-olds, as Dame said, and that extended rebuild is not my route. And also that he is very much still believes in Chauncey Billups, and fully expects Jeremy Grant to be back next season. Another one of those things I surprise. And with that, that will do it for this edition of The Briefcase. We'll be back later this week with more exit and interviews, and we'll be recording somewhat regularly during the off season. so now is a great time to subscribe to both The Briefcase and The Blazers Balcony, a new episode with Brooke this week as well, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining me today and all season long on The Briefcase. We'll talk again later this week. I am Casey Holdall. Go Blazers.